0: Jay- Jason Tatum, I know you're listening to the podcast. Uh, As Reagan, Reagan Griffin Jr. is trying to recruit you to the Memphis Grizzlies. He said a no, no, healthy, great point. Now what girl. you need
1: to do is highlight Jalen Brown. I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm
0: playing. I'm playing.
1: No, but... <laughs> I'm fully aware of what we're but, uh, We can't get Jason Tatum. Yeah. He's too cute. But we can get Jalen Brown. You so <laughs> nah. can get Jalen Brown. Not to say Jalen Brown's See, ugly, hey, but
0: hey, this, this, this Eddie, this is what I'm talking about, um, that I want like certain clips to be at the beginning of the pod before the <laughs> intro, like like that's stuff like do that. that. Don't do Jason this one. Jason is cute, you know? No, like, <laughs> do <that>. uh, but <laughs> okay. You've
2: reached Hoop and Holler, a square one podcast on basketball and other shenanigans.
1: Danny Green, I'm mad at Danny Green. I just want to thank everybody that's been in my corner during this time. With Reagan Griffin Jr. Reagan, you're the best, man. I'm the clamp guy. I am the Giannis Antetokounmpo Whoa. of Lion Center.
2: Eddie Sun. Probably won't get hired by, you know, ESPN anytime soon. <laughs> so you don't have that clutch connection.
0: And
1: Julio Martinez. On uh,
0: Giannis and the Bucks, I told you so, I told you so, I told you so. Please clap.
1: It comes from at underscore underscore uh, Kalu2 on Twitter. <laughs> Bro, the fact I'm that really you real. knew there were two underscores before the... at underscore underscore Kalu. He knows your that, Twitter. That means I'm tweeting it too much. <laughs> but at, when it boils down, like, that's what we're here for is the yeah. basketball. Hello there, basketball world. Been a minute, hasn't it? <laughs> Been a little bit. Not an opportune time to go on hey, it is with the NBA playoffs in full swing. But you know what? Shit happens, life happens, and you know, we had an episode ready to go, but the internet wasn't good and you had to scratch it. This, then, the third, that's all production stuff. That's none of your concern. What matters is that we're here now and we're ready to talk NBA basketball. So there's a lot to catch up on, um, not just basketball-wise, but personally-wise. So, like always, we're going to start the episode off. How are we all doing?
0: Uh, it sucks to be a Laker fan right now, but uh, just need LeBron to rest up until next season. Got to retool, get a third star, and recoup.
1: So Julio packed it up. Julio's, <laughs> it's 3-2. Julio's out of there. Eddie, yourself?
2: I just realized the last time we recorded, uh, the Warriors didn't even play the Grizzlies yet, which feels like it was like three months ago, which is which is kind of crazy. That being said, it's kind of fun to watch the playoffs yet again with, you know, no hypertension on the line, you know, with no sort of pressure on the line, just here for some good basketball.
1: And good basketball is what you're getting. You're getting a lot of it. So we'll definitely get into all that. I do have to talk my shit for that Grizzlies game, by the way. I tried it last episode, but again, that didn't get released, so haha in your face. Is the energy's not there. It's not there anymore. It was more there last episode. Y'all gonna have to trust me on it. My boy Ja's been popping the hell off. We'll get into all of that stuff. But for now, I want to let y'all know what the structure of the episode is going to be. We're basically going to go through every series and every conference, give our thoughts on what we thought was going to happen heading into it, and how it's played out thus far. Um, so Because we, we weren't given the opportunity, or we didn't have the opportunity to go through and break down each of the series beforehand. We're going to tell you, and we're going to be honest, can we all agree, make a three-way pact to be honest about what we thought was going to happen? I mean, we all heard each other before, so... We're gonna be honest about what we thought was gonna happen, and then you know we're gonna tell you what actually. Essentially, happened, me- what essen- what actually essentially
0: to. meaning that I'm gonna call Reagan and Eddie out on their BS.
1: <laughs> okay, what? Okay, this is okay. We can talk about it because there's a series I want to talk <laughs> about today, since you want to since you want to do all that. There's a couple of series I want to call you out on, but why don't we go ahead and start out, East gentlemen? 76ers one, Washington Wizards eight. This series has turned out to be a little bit more interesting than some might have anticipated just because of the health of Joel Embiid that's currently in question. He's currently out for Game 5 with a a knee soreness. Um, Obviously, playoff basketball teams are going to play those things a little bit more close to the chest than they would normally in the regular season. We really don't know what the nature of Joel's injury is, how severe it is, but um, what are your thoughts on this series? On the court, and then what are your thoughts on on Joel Embiid's potential health throughout the rest of the playoffs?
0: I'd say that this series is probably... uh, No, the second most boring series that that I've seen throughout this playoffs. It's like, it's 3-1, but you know which team is going to win. Bradley Beal's not 100% healthy. Russell Westbrook is doing Russell Westbrook things. I, I think Eddie was the one who said... Uh, he put up the most Russell Westbrook stat line. He went, for, like, three for 19, but had, like, 14 rebounds and 15 assists. Uh, his team pulled out the win last game. Obviously, Joel Embiid got hurt. But the thing that I want to go into the most, obviously, Joel Embiid's health puts their whole playoff contention into question. They can obviously win this series without him, but their, you know, their their hopes going forward with without Joel Embiid is just... It, it almost dissipates. But the vulnerable part that they showed in this series, uh, or that the Wizards, rather, and, and Scott Brooks showed, was the hack of Simmons. Now, Ben Simmons, when I, I was watching the game live, when they were uh, sending him to the free throw line, sent him, I think, 10 straight times. I, I forgot how many times. Um, and he, I mean, he wasn't doing bad towards the end of the game. He was, uh, I think he made one of two on every single time they sent him to the free throw line. Um but it, he just looks like he has fear in his eyes whenever he goes to the free throw line. And before that game, he was 0 for 9. That is horrible. That is such a – I think that's 23% overall in this series. That percentage is just atrocious. He becomes a, like a fat liability for them on the court uh, late in games. And that's something that Doc Rivers, as much as he doesn't want to address it, is going to have to address um, I don't know if you guys saw, he was getting very, very, very defensive when reporters were asking him, oh, you want me to take out my all-star out of the game? Oh, you're not. that shows you don't know basketball. It, it shows that it hits close to the chest and, and that he has some concerns. Obviously not in this series, but it's going to be something uh, to, to look forward to. I, I look for the Sixers to win the next game and to move on, but that next series is going to be a, a question mark.
2: I agree that it's sort of an issue, but also, the way like a hacker strategy works is that the player needs to basically miss like all of their free throws for it to work out over like a prolonged period of time. And mm-hmm. what really did the Sixers in the last game was was not that Ben Simmons went one for two every time he got sent to the line; it was that they couldn't defend on the other end, or not that they couldn't defend; they just kind of stopped trying to defend. Um, but in terms of Embiid's health, I really hope he's, you know, healthy, uh, has like a short turnaround because I know the Wizards defense is like really bad, but the Sixers look really good. Like they look like a juggernaut just with the sort of dominance and size that Embiid shows. And then, you know, Danny Green and Seth Curry and George Hill look really good, you know, as like shooter shooting options. Tobias Harris was playing really well. Um, I mean, I think the Sixers, like I said, all year, right? Like, they, they have the potential to be the best team in the East, and I still think if Embiid can come back healthy, you know, basically 100%, they're still challenging any of these top teams. So I do agree, even with Embiid out, uh, they should get this game five. I'm looking for them to play more Simmons at the five, you know, run some, like, small ball lineups. Um, but, yeah, I just hope Embiid stays healthy.
1: No doubt. Um... But that's a hope. I mean, th- there's another big man out west who's currently dealing with some injury issues. And, you know, when you have yeah. guys sitting out playoff games, like, th- this is the chips are on the line. And granted, it's just the Washington Wizards. But when you have dudes that are, you know, not going to see the court in a game that's, you know, not necessarily make or break, but, you know, matters in terms of we have an opportunity to go win a championship. This is the best roster we fielded since we put this great team together. Um, This is the focal point of our team And he's not going to see the floor There's a little bit more of an issue than soreness And I'm not going to sit up here and project that you know He's dealing with something egregiously bad That he won't be able to play on But just the mere fact that he's not going to see the floor for a game Tells me that it's something That could potentially, not even potentially It's definitely going to hinder him throughout the rest of the playoffs So you mentioned Eddie, Joel at 100% For for sure they can go compete with Brooklyn Nets um, The Milwaukee Bucks But can Joel at 85% can that team still do that? Can Joel at 75% still do that? Because I'm more inclined to say that's the Joel we're probably dealing with just because of the fact that he, you know, he can't suit up for a game. That's that's yeah. pretty um, that's pretty telling towards his health.
0: I just want to say that uh, this playoffs um, as a whole and this series is one of many that's gonna fall into this kind of overall theme. Obviously, when when a team isn't fully healthy. This is important every year, every playoffs. We saw that the Raptors and Kawhi won when KD and Clay got hurt. Obviously, if KD and Clay were there, they they probably most likely would have won. It it, it is about injuries, but this year, like especially, even th- it, it was it was exemplified all throughout the regular season too. It's really about it's really about who's staying healthy, and we'll get to the other team soon. But so many teams are dealing with this injury bug. And it's, it's pretty much like who's gonna stay healthy at the end, and the real team that that's uh, uh, um, healthy right now, who wasn't healthy throughout the season, which we'll get to next, is you know might be the healthiest one. So it just it's unfortunate with these injuries.
1: I'm gonna take a leap and say that you're talking about the Brooklyn Nets there. So we'll go ahead and get into it. Speaking of that, on the flip end of it, the Boston Celtics. who they played in this first round series finished off today actually had an injury um jalen brown which obviously hindered that team throughout their run um but yeah that's the 2-7 matchup like i said they finished them off today they went on a crazy run that i know you're gonna see that at least once a series from this team where you had um i think it was three consecutive threes from kd Kyrie and Harden all in like relatively the same spot but they just started popping off and Nick Clacton's getting the easiest buckets of his life uh Joe Harris is dishing the ball around like that team I've been saying it since it got formulated they look ridiculously good and damn near impossible to stop um but you got to give your hats off to Jason Tatum as well he had a hell of a series he got his buckets but what were you guys' thoughts on this series in terms of before in terms of how to play it out was it anything that we didn't expect? I, I, just the Nets kind of watching the Celtics.
0: And the injury, you know, people will, will mention Jalen Brown, but, um, oh, okay, even without Jalen Brown, e- I mean, even with Jalen Brown and everybody healthy, they probably still would have lost this series. But even uh, Jalen Brown was hurt and Kemble Walker w- was out for a game or two. Um, and it's just like, I mean, I, I think me and Eddie and perhaps Reagan too uh, all agree on this. That you got if you're Danny Ainge and you're a Boston fan right now, you, you want to turn this whole thing upside down and, you know, maybe not the rebuild isn't the correct term for it. But you need to do some major reconstruction with this team and roster uh, going forward because it, it this this shouldn't be your outcome, you know. Uh, year in and year out. I know last year they made it to the conference finals, but this is a a very big you know disappointing year. And you know there there's a bunch of question marks going forward. As for the Nets, you know they're the Nets. We'll, we'll see how they fare against uh in the next round. Yeah,
1: hey, you ask Eddie. You know they got what six years left, five years no, it's, left on the championship clock. Five years now, yeah. Five it's years or else it's a failure
2: two championships in five years. (laughs) I know, I guess I'm going to keep on bringing it up. (laughs) Um, But a couple observations from the series, obviously it was kind of boring. Brooklyn was really talented. Boston was overmatched. Um, The thing is the Nets, like you said, they kind of show up in these like pockets of a few minutes where they look completely, you know, dominant. But I've still really yet to see them put 48 minutes together, you know, and Boston's not the type of team that requires Brooklyn to... Put that sort of effort together, but I'll be curious in their next series whether they're capable of it because, again, I've kind of felt this way about Brooklyn all along. You know, if the shots are going in, it's great, but what happens when, you know, the tough shots that you take aren't going in? Like, what happens when the defense you face can match you a little bit better than, you know, uh, Kemba guarding Kyrie or whoever Boston had there? So I'll be looking for that, you know, next round. And then on the Boston side, um, I know Tatum dropped like a 50-point Game, I think in Game Four, right? Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know. Maybe I'm just of the opinion that he he just doesn't really move me that much. You know, like I know he's really good. I know he's a star. You know, like between very good and a star, it's just like it's hard for me to put him in this echelon of the Lucas and the Devin Booker's and the Trey Youngs because I just I just don't think he's really you know he's not moving the needle for a team. Like I think he's not getting to spots per se he's not you know moving defenders anywhere i don't feel like he's really creating looks for teammates um not to be like overly uh critical of tatum and and i've kind of felt this way about him all along is that he's an extremely good shot maker but that's just really all he is i think you know and and i I want to see him i want to see him develop his game to a point where he is not at the whims of his defender but but instead where he's dictating the defender the terms of what he's doing
1: okay that that's interesting because this is kind of aligned to what I was going to respond first of all, that's cap Jason Tatum most definitely does move the the needle, but what you interpret for him to be as the at the mercy of his defender? I interpret as the defender being at his mercy because at the end of the day no matter what position you put Jason Tatum in he's capable of getting a bucket which is what makes him so lethal. I agree that there are improvements that he can be made still, you know, even though we're what, 3 4 years into his career now, he can still make some improvements on his finishing. He can still make him some improvements on his playmaking, but we have to remember he came into he's only 19. Like he <laughs> he came into the <laughs> league at 19. Now he's 23 years old. There's still plenty of time. He's not even entered his prime yet. So there's still time for those sorts of improvements to be made but some of the things he did even throughout this series and they only won one game but it's just like you get him on a i mean you know just for comparison's sake if you had a dude like him playing with another player of his caliber that doesn't just step on his toes like not to say that Jalen brown steps on his toes but they do a lot of the same things you get him a healthy guard who can complement his skill set it's going to look really good but when jason tatum's ultimately driving the entire ship and you have what Evan Fournier, Marcus Smart is your second best player? It might seem like he's not moving the needle, but hell, his team's not moving the needle. They just, they just weren't that good. But um, no, Jason, what he's able to do, in, from a scoring standpoint, is ridiculous because that's one thing you can't replace is unstoppable buckets. Like you, you can't, you can't do nothing with Jason Tatum. Jay,
0: Jason Tatum, I know you're listening to the podcast. Uh, as you should. Reagan. Reagan Griffin Jr. is trying to recruit you to the Memphis Grizzlies. He said a no, healthy, no, no, no. Your team, great point no, What goal. you
1: need to do is highlight Jalen Brown. I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm playing. No, but <laughs> I'm fully aware of what we're doing. Uh, we can't get Jason Tatum. Yeah. He's too cute. But we can get Jalen Brown. <laughs> so nah. We can get Jalen Brown. Not to say Jalen Brown ugly, hey, but hey. This,
0: <laughs> this, Eddie, this is what I'm talking about. Um, that I want like certain clips to be at the beginning of the pod before the intro, <laughs> like like That's, stuff like that. Don't do Jason this is cute, you know. No, like, do uh, but, <laughs> okay. but but what I wanted to end this uh, series discussion on was um, something that Eddie touched on, and it, it's some it, it's a thought that I had going into the series. Uh, the Nets weren't going to face any adversity in this series. And that can be a good thing and a bad thing. It can be a good thing because you can get your guys together, gain some confidence playing together because they hadn't played a lot of games together, get them in rhythm, uh, try new things out as a coach. But it's also a bad thing because you're going to go from, almost like you're going from 0 to 100 to uh, Mm -hmm. facing the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, And out of, you know... uh uh, despite everything the series might have been a little bit boring what what wasn't boring was all the uh unfortunate fan drama um so
1: (laughs) can we talk about that like real quick yeah is there anything to say about like
0: i mean it's just like a bunch of stuff going on man um yeah
1: i mean the crazy thing to me was like pre-series Kyrie came out he said like you know all the players know what happens in Boston between this end and third of kind of insinuating that the fans were, like, you know, saying racially charged things at the players and their families. Um, and then Jalen Brown came out and said something like, yeah, I agree, that needs to be addressed, but I don't like the way Kyrie Irving brought it up, which I don't know how else you could have brought it up. Um, <laughs> yeah. But then it's like, all this pops off over what? He stepped on the logo? <laughs> but he stepped like, on the logo. <laughs> he's supposed to walk around it? He's supposed to walk around like, bro, what are we yeah. doing? Like, it's so, it's it's like,
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's so petty. Um, but and then the last thing I do want to bring up, since we're on the topic of Jason Tatum, uh, we're not gonna answer it now. But me and Reagan started a, a discussion while we were playing uh, pickup last Saturday. Jason Tatum or John Morant? I'll let the I'll let the listeners think about that, and we'll probably address it later. But that that's a good what ass question it? to ask. Well, that's interesting. interesting. And
1: the fact that it's a question to ask warms my heart because, you know prior to even the playoffs, I don't think people would be asking, people look at you sideways for asking that question but we'll definitely get into it at some point next series, alright, we're looking at the Milwaukee Bucks at the 3 seed, the Miami Heat at the 6 seed, Julio on the episode that never was, you did mention that you were leaning Milwaukee but, oh I chose the Bucks just, you you chose the Bucks, you did chose the Bucks you were leaning Milwaukee, but you had a hunch that maybe the heat of old could reemerge, yeah. but obviously that didn't happen they went 4-0 on them um, I, yeah. you know, I'll start with you Julio, because this is a really interesting series for me as, as sort of case study between the bucks that were versus the bucks that are. So I, I want your input on it.
0: So uh, with, with this Milwaukee and Miami series, you know no one really expected a, a sweep um, but the the difference between Miami of this year, and Miami of last year I think was that X factor which was the surprise factor that no one really expected them. Uh, to beat the 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 obviously better seed, seeded Milwaukee and the MVP in, in Giannis, um, and that's the element that just lacked completely lacked this year. And the the you know just to put it out there, Jimmy Butler was you know just all time bad. Bam Adebayo was horrible. Tyler Hero was non you know just he he just disappeared he 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 was playing like jack Harlow, essentially his best friend in the off season wow. <laughs> um i mean kendrick kendrick now was getting more more minutes than tyler hero and last year if uh uh if we would have told you know ourselves um this year or or last year i mean um that that was going to happen this year i mean we we would have like like, what the hell is going on with Tyler Hero? Like, he, he just spent too much time in, in Miami nightclubs. But, you know, Miami's going to have to really retool in the off season and go after a guy who can really assert themselves offensively. I said before that, you know, Jimmy Butler can be your, your number one in terms of, like, establishing that culture and leader, but he's not going to be your number one on the court, you know, night in, night out. The guy, you know, they need to go after scoring-type wings – who can really really assert themselves on that end? And, and the guy they really need to look to if they do lose this series, and he wants to go out is Kawhi Leonard. That's a guy who really doesn't care about establishing a culture, leadership. He just wants to go out there and ball. So um, they really that that's their next step that they need to take. The also the next step that they need to take is Bam Adebayo needs to learn how to be aggressive and do something on the offensive end. You cannot be that young and. and uh, be playing like Draymond essentially out there at, at least you know for all the for all the stuff I make fun of Draymond at least he knows how to and no I'm not making fun and being sarcastic of setting screens but he really knows how to get Steph open and Bam Adebayo just looks like he when it whenever he gets the ball in the mid-range and he's he's open just shoot the ball or do something with the ball he looked like Draymond seeing ghosts out there when he could have easily had that floater but he just you know he freaked out. So Bam Adebayo needs to get the offensive game right, and they need to go after a, an offensive threat. They probably Pat Riley's probably hitting himself at the back of the head for not, you know, trading for James Harden. But you know it is what it is, and you got to move forward.
1: Now I will say, y'all, Julio is a connoisseur of good screens. He complimented me on my ability to set screens. This past weekend we were playing pickup. 'Cause that's about the only thing that I did well that day. You're like Draymond but, and a Kevon Looney out there. No, I was like Kwame Brown. Like, <laughs> did you see the screens I was in I was I was out there like that. Um, no, but on on this heat series, I, I have probably two, three points to make. First of all, I wanna kinda dispel the the rhetoric that it's it's it was fluky what they did last year in the bubble. Um just because i saw a lot of that being thrown around and how you know the fact that they beat the heat and they beat the celtics yada 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 they got two games off on the lakers it was all a fluke like no there were no like injuries there were no weird plays there was nothing the only thing that may have been fluky might have been tyler hero I, i might give you is like tyler hero is not that good of a player as he showed in the bubble clearly um but what they accomplished last year was not a fluke at all everybody was playing under the same conditions and they were the better team night in and night out against the teams that they were playing what that said the fact that they got the better of the milwaukee bucks last year and yet milwaukee stepped into these playoffs and immediately threw him out of there like it was nothing I think that provides a psychological advantage to the Miami Heat or to the Milwaukee Bucks excuse me because that was sort of the hurdle that you had to overcome if you were Milwaukee you had to overcome you know this someday somebody has to write a book about the wall in the Milwaukee Bucks team, if they win a championship, because we saw the wall like first pop up against Toronto, we saw it again against the Miami Heat, and it was almost like this wall that you had to climb, even though it was like a real physical strategy that teams were implementing. In that, um, you know, we would put our best defender, whether that was Kawhi Leonard, whether that was Bam Adebayo as the focal point, and then we would literally line up dudes to keep Giannis from penetrating the paint. It was a real thing, but it was also like a mental wall, a hurdle that they had to overcome in terms of how are we going to adapt to not only dominate in the regular season but come playoff time how are we going to win there too and the fact that they were able to overcome the miami heat i think provides them a psychological edge because they did in a sense overcome that wall that they saw um last year that made them such a disappointing team so i'm looking forward to what milwaukee does with the way that the lakers are rolling we'll get to it but you know i might have to take on another team as the guys that i'm rooting for that would probably be milwaukee if i came to it but um I've definitely appreciated the adjustments that that Budenholzer and the Milwaukee Bucks as a whole were able to make throughout the series, and and, um, I'm looking forward to seeing if that continues.
0: We cannot underestimate the injury to uh, Dante DiVincenzo, though talking about injuries, it's not like the Bucks. you know, he, he's, he's not the first best player, he's not the second best player, he's not the third best player, might not even be the fourth best player, but he's an important role guy, you know. And it's not like the Milwaukee Bucks are a super, super deep team at that position. So I, I think that can be... You know, a, a crucial thing that the Bucks are going to miss going forward in the playoffs. He, You know, he's a he's a legit uh, three point shooting threat. He's a legit defender. Um, and although he may not be having the year this year like he did last year, maybe due to a little bit of Drew Holiday uh, and a reduced role um, and maybe some other things, but he's still a legit role player and they're still going to miss him. So I, I'd look uh, for that affecting the Bucks going forward.
2: Yeah, I'm with you there. I also want to give a shout out to Giannis because he was really frustrating me game one, taking a lot of shots that I did not think, you know, were smart shots. But I think as the series went on, um, I haven't seen Giannis sort of slow the game down like he has this series. Um, I think the last game he had like 15 assists to like two turnovers or, or some, you know, really good ratio. Um, and he was, you know, making passes that I think he wasn't making last year or two years ago during his MVP years. You know, he wasn't, you know, waiting for defenses to collapse on him and then kicking out to shooters when it was too late. Like, he was being proactive. He was slowing the game down, reading the floor, you know, hitting hitting guys in all the right places. So if Giannis I, can really perfect that role, I think it's a great sign.
0: Yeah, I think he can really, really focus. Now with Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton, uh, Really accepting and, you know, the coach handing them the keys on the offensive end of handling the ball, you know, uh, 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 telling people where to go on offense and just handling the offense and Giannis being relieved of those responsibilities. He can just focus on being, you know, I, I don't want to say not thinking about the game too much, but that's what you do as a guard and as a ball handler and as a dictator of your offense you got to be thinking left and right of different situations. Who do I pass to? What are the situations? Giannis ain't got to think about that anymore. He's got to attack. Attack, attack, attack. Make a pass here and there. So, relieving those duties of Giannis is very beneficial to the Bucs. Very, very beneficial.
1: No doubt. No doubt. All right. Last series out in the East. You have the four seed New York Knicks. Everybody excited for their playoff return versus the five-seed Atlanta Hawks, and Trey Young is going ballistic. That's your boy, Eddie, so I'll let you start. Yeah,
2: he's been the most impressive player to me so far, you know, in the early returns of the playoffs because, Reagan, you brought up on the episode that we never published that the playoffs could be troublesome to a player like Trey Young, and I think I kind of agreed, you know, players at that size, you know, at that height, at that weight, don't tend to do well in the playoff environment where you can get more physical but I mean I was wrong clearly and I think you know anyone who thought that was definitely wrong because he is just so good at you know see not just seeing the basketball floor but he's so technically sound and such a cerebral player that he has you know moves and counters and counters to those counters you know at that guard position where when Atlanta puts him in the pick and roll You know, he'll always end up in kind of like a two-on-one or a three-on-two situation. And he'll always, you know, either get the bucket or hit the, you know, hit uh, hit a teammate in the shooting pocket because his passing ability is so good. And the thing I'm really impressed with is that, you know, everyone talks about how he, he would draw fouls and do all this and that. He's not doing any of that this series. You know, he's getting his buckets really smartly. He's not forcing up shots and he's not really turning the ball over. And um, really, I mean, I can't say anything more about his game, just the ability he has to break down defenses at that position, at that height. Um, I mean, I can't, I really can't say more. He, he's impressed
0: it, me and then some. You see, that's the thing, though. And I've loved Trey Young ever since he came out of uh, Oklahoma. But that's where the real growth lies. Now, as a rookie, I totally understand... I give you all the excuses in the world. You're going to a horrible last team, a terrible organization who hasn't won anything in the last few years. And you, you just want to pop off. You just want to ball. And sometimes, you know, I just want to take these half-court shots and have fun with it. So, and, and that, you know, that that's that loose mentality that I think he has really, really matured upon. Because I think it was game one or... I think it was game one or game one and two, where his amount of of three-point field goals, it wasn't a lot. Where was he really doing his damage? In the pick and roll where he was driving, driving, and driving. Now, that's where the—obviously, he is a threat from outside. He can step back from uh, on his defender from, like, half court and make ridiculous shots that, you know, obviously gets the crowd going. But his his real damage, where he does the most damage, is in the pick and roll, where he can snake screens, get in the paint, and do his little floaters. That's where his real damage lies. When he gets in the paint, obviously for himself, and he's good. He's great. He's great at finding his teammates, whether it's on a lob, a three pointer, and you know his teammates are obviously capable shooters. You have a capable finisher, finisher in Clint Capella. But that's where his real growth lies. He's not dependable on a three. You know he's not reverting to that in, in uh, big-time situations. He's not saying, oh, it's a tie game, 10 seconds to go. I'm going to step back and show New York what it's about from, from three. Uh, uh-uh. He's driving in the paint where he, again, where he does his most damage. I think that's where his biggest growth lies because that loose mentality is where he's really, really matured from because he was known for sometimes taking stupid shots and you know committing a lot of turnovers. He's shown a lot of growth from that, and I thought that that's where the biggest weakness was going to be with his game in the playoffs, especially against the Knicks, who's a, a real you know aggressive team who's trying to get under his skin. But he's really really embracing that. Now, for my second point, where I was so right, uh, uh, one of my few rights this season, because I know I've had a lot of wrongs. One of my few rights, Julius Randle. Uh uh-uh. uh, it ain't it. It ain't it, no. bruh. It ain't it, and this, you know for New York, New York Knicks fans, if there's any listening to this podcast, it might be good for you. It might be good for you because if he had a good series, you might be tempted to give him a, a max contract, and he don't give that. You're man not a even max do this
1: contract. Man, Randall a max contract. No, a max. I've you seen Lester players get max contracts. You tripping. have seen lesser players get max.
0: If you want to stay in this position and, and do, be a first-round exit or possibly get to the second round every year, go ahead. Be, be my guest. But we, we trying to win championships around here. That ain't it. That, he ain't no number one. He ain't no number Look, one.
1: Let's put a pin in that one because there's something to be said for the fact of a lot of excitement that was had around New York basketball this season that we haven't seen in years – and you let that slip, off off the bat, and, and you go back into the state of mediocrity. It could get ugly quick, even uglier be a, perhaps than it was before.
0: He'll be a number three. He can be a number three.
1: And you could pay a number three if you're willing to go into your pocket and, and pay that luxury tax. Which I, I would expect. Um, who's who's the is it? Not Leon Rose. He's not the owner. Dolan. God, what's the dude's name? Dolan. Dolan. Yeah, Dolan. You know he. Uh, anyways, um, <laughs> who knows about Dolan? But. Yeah, Julius Randle, that that was kind of an ugly series, but you know, claps up for New York basketball for making the playoffs again, I suppose. Claps up for Derrick Rose. Um all that good stuff, but back to Trey Young. I suppose what's impressed me the most and I'll I'll extract from a little bit of personal experience here is when when I get heated playing a sport, um sometimes it goes in my favor, but more often than not i would say it gets uglier for me the more emotional i get trey young has gotten extremely emotional throughout this series and yet you don't see that manifest itself in his play at all the dude is you know you know this mama city will see you in atlanta all this stuff talking his noise but when it's actual basketball being played that dude is is as cool as a cucumber patient like all the things you guys are mentioning he is not rushing things he's not being flustered he's not you know um out of sorts the dude you know is at just as cool and composed as we've seen him throughout the regular season if you were watching and he's making smart decisions with the ball nine times out of ten which has impressed me the most because that's a difficult thing to do especially at a young age it's easy to get flustered madison square garden a lot of energy it's your first time out in the playoffs you're talking your noise it's easy to get like antsy about it and want to make all these rash decisions and do something cool and make a highlight but that dude has played like a veteran through and through um, that's what impressed me the most and you know this series you know assuming that things continue to play out the way they have um, it'll be interesting to see how he handles himself against Ben Simmons in Philly because you know they're going to stick Ben Simmons on him assuming that Joel Embiid is healthy um, but yeah Trey Young's been extremely impressive shout out to Atlanta Uh shout out to my take way back when when Julio thought I was tripping remember that Atlanta playoff team they still yeah, not they're gonna win anything. The they still not gonna win anything. They already won a. They already won a. Uh, what you mean they are not gonna win anything? They just won a series, well, they're not, gonna win a series probably. You never know, but
0: no, no, no. When I say win something, I mean win a championship. He's gonna need another superstar with him, and that's just not gonna happen. So he's gonna have to leave because he's one of those players that wants his championships.
2: Hey, when, when DeAndre Hunter know. turns into Kawhi, you, you know you never know.
1: It could happen. Anyways, now to the Western man. Conference. He <laughs> shot. I mean, he's, been, he's been good. He's been good, but again, Eddie's Kawhi Leonard.
0: Kawhi Leonard.
1: I mean, I'm kidding. That's you,
0: Reagan. No, no, no not, not you. No, no. I know you were kidding, but Reagan, you were don't uh-uh. You didn't take you didn't take his take as sarcasm. You took it for real.
1: I mean, I gave him it an anyways. You know, if I'm giving it an anyways, this is like an anyways. We'll we'll day. get to
0: Kawhi right now. We'll get to Kawhi. Man I've been going crazy. Well,
1: you give it a few minutes. We <laughs> gotta get to that. We gotta work our way to it. But um, starting out in the 1-8 matchup, this one, you know, has brought me the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. Um, Memphis Grizzlies in the playoffs versus the Utah Jazz. A lot of storylines here. Mike Conley going up against his former team, John Morant's first out in the playoffs. A lot of cool stuff, but the Jazz are currently up 3-1, and they just look like the better team at this point. Do they not? They yeah. do, but I
2: but I do want to give, you know, all the credit to Memphis for... Um, I mean, I know it's 3-1, but Memphis has really put up a fight every game, and you really can't say enough about, you know, Jaws' performance, but also the sort of depth that Memphis throws at you, and, you know, Dylan Brooks' toughness, all of that. Um, but I also want to talk about uh, Rudy Gobert because... He He's probably the defensive play of the year and well-deserved, but there is no universe where this man, you know, in a playoff setting is worth a supermax contract is worth all the defensive accolades is, you know, worth this whole narrative that he's like the most game changing defender of the league. It's just not possible when you got Jod ja dicing you up, you know, in that sort of five foot to nine foot area, hitting you with floaters struggling to defend in space, you know, like, I don't, he can't even shoot. I, Imagine if he could shoot. That's the thing. I don't want to bash on Gobert like too much because there's enough people who do that already. But the truth is, the limitations will show in the playoffs. You know, coaches are too smart to not dissect your weaknesses. And I think, like, Draymond said this on a TNT the other day, and, and I'm sure Draymond said it because he was trying to argue his own defensive player of the year case. But, <laughs> you know, Gobert's a great regular season player. He's a great rim protector. But, you know, you get him defending in space, and it's just trouble. And the only silver lining for Utah is that Ja might be the best guard they have to face until uh, maybe the conference finals or maybe the finals if they get there. Um, and that's the only good thing because guards will always give Rudy Gobert trouble in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, Uh, my my thoughts on the series. I don't really want to talk about the games. Uh, One thing I did want to talk about though is so I love Mike Conley, and I think he's one of the more, always been one of the more underrated players, in the NBA. But why did why did this man like talk himself up to the point? I I didn't know he was like that type of dude. Like he was talking. He's like, you know. You live is he sounded like Thanos or whatever? You live long enough to become the villain
1: or what, uh, my, I don't I mean, know who he the hell said that. Like why did, he say, something. why did he Mike say why did he say that? type of dude because the, he, he's basically saying like um, he's been in this you are not no villain. So no,
0: nobody booing you. Nobody booing you, bro.
1: I mean, bro, Look at it from a standpoint of a, a guy who played in Memphis for so long and now he's going against his former team, he's been in the league for that long where it's like, okay, now I no longer play for Memphis and I have to go get him in the playoffs. It's not like he's like, I'm just a big bad. Y'all got to come after me. I think it's more of like a, damn, I've really stuck around this long that I'm no longer a Memphis Grizzly and I'm playing him in the playoffs. All right. All right, okay. Yeah. Ain't, ain't nobody you get no the Julio villain, pass. bro.
0: Ain't nobody no villain, bro. Stop. You're not a villain.
1: I mean, he's going against the former team. You're not, not a villain. Dylan Brooks throwing a couple jabs in there. That, not jabs. They were not jabs. He was just trying to perform a back cut, a fake backdoor cut. But, um, you know, how but, Twitter does it. You know
0: I, either way, I, I, I freaking love John Morant's game. He His game is just insane to me. Um, I think, you know, although Zion Williamson had a great year, but there has to be more conversation about who would you rather have going forward. And I'm heading that charge.
1: And there will be. There will be. There will be. And, you know, for what it's worth, I'm still staying with, with Zion just because of the, the specialty. But, like, even in my mind, that gap has closed. And you know how much I love Ja. I love Ja more than you. I've told you this many times. I like
0: his, I I like his game more than you like his game,
1: though. No, you don't. No, you don't no you don't you, you just don't okay here's what you're not understanding all right what's Ja? if you had to give it a 2k rating, what's Ja Morant's 2k rating versus Zion's 2k right rating?
0: now or is potential because I'm looking forward
1: call it potential call both of their potentials
0: okay Ja 96
1: versus Zion's 94 95 okay. here's the difference here's the difference I think Zion has like ninety eight, ninety nine. He potential. doesn't though. That, that's just that's, Ja has like ninety. But here's my point. Ja has like ninety seven potential in my. You mind. You don't so even like, <laughs> it's just higher? You know what I mean? Like I think Zion is can still be better, but like it's still higher in my mind. Does that make sense? But you do Nasty not think he,
0: you do not think he has ninety nine potential.
1: You I here's what I know about Ja Morant. Ja Morant busts his ass. That man can work and he can adapt. As soon as he gets his three-pointer to fall at a, and really, as soon as he gets in the lab with a shooting coach, because his feet are still way too narrow when he shoots the ball. If he gets his jumper looking right, and that thing starts falling at a 37, 38 percent clip, it's clip for everybody. It's clip for everybody because there's no way to defend him. There's zero way. Because right now teams are going under screens by a mile, and he's still messing them well, up. Well, it's gonna. Oh, it's.
0: It. it's, it's it, let, let me add to that. Because yes, it's gonna be like a standalone open three, like relax off the dribble, but it's also going to be like a, like a, who can I point, like a CP3, uh, who else can I point to, like a CP3 mid-range game, where it's very, very dependable off the dribble, off screens, because John Morant uses screens, like, every single freaking possession, right, to just gain that advantage, and, you know, you're going to get to a point at your career, and, and this is why, like... There's really no comparison for Ja because it's almost like he's Westbrook, but just ways you know he views the game in a, in a much better way and can manipulate offense or defenses way better. Um, but you know there's gonna be a point in his career, and I think he's smart enough to realize this, and his game is smart enough to adapt that you know attacking and just dunking on try to trying to dunk on. Uh, uh, Rudy Gobert and jumping over Kevin Love is just not going to be possible. I love the way he attacks because I wish more players attack like that. But you're, there's going to be a point where you're just not going to be able to do that. And what helps is his floater. But you got to have a little bit more to your game, whether it's a little bit, you know, follow away mid-range shots from ten feet or whatever the case may be. But yes, there's going to be standalone threes, and it's also going to be that you know a mid-range game off the dribble
1: and he's starting to do those things they're just not hitting at the clip yes. that even his water yes. I, I would like to see fall a little bit at a higher clip but like he has all the tools to to be great like that's that's neither here nor there that's the john morant discussion that's the utah jazz discussion i should throw in there one last thing there are i want to say three other players in nba history who have scored more than 100 points in their first three playoff games those players being wilt chamberlain kareem abdul jabbar and some other old ass person, I forget, but they were all centers. Josh, the only guard to ever do it. He's special. He's special. Next up, you got the number two. This one hurts Phoenix Suns, Los Angeles Lakers. There was a game tonight, Lakers got ran out the gym. No AD on this, on the lost episode, I said. Sons and four. I said Sons and six. I said Sons and six, but I did not think, you know, AD injury. I was thinking on even an even scale, Sons and six, but I did not expect it to happen like this. It still hasn't happened, but, like, it, it's not looking good for the Lakers, especially with AD's qu- injury, his health in question. So. I'll start with you. Yeah, you're the other Lakers fan here. There, there's, How are we there's
0: so many things to touch on, and uh, I, it would require me to write down a bunch of notes. But you know, I'm gonna just go off the head. Um, so, okay, so I, I was really, really confident. Okay, okay, I'll, I'll start at this. After game one, I was very pissed. I was very pissed at AD. AD's the main dude who you know. I, I said it all year long last year. He must be, in most people's eyes, the quote-unquote, the best player. That means dominating. That means getting the most points. That means, you know, getting the most rebounds and just asserting himself on the offensive end. And he didn't do that in game one. He did that in game two. How does he do that? Every game that he dominates gets 30 and 15. He will always shoot about, like, 15, 16 free throws. He has to get to the line to be aggressive. And that's what he did. Game two and game three. The Lakers completely dominated. We were making fools out of the Suns. Then he gets hurt. This brings us back to almost an equivalent of game one. Him not asserting himself, except this time, he's just absent. He's not there. And I hate to break it to Laker fans, uh, to any of you guys out there listening, if you, you see, I've never had a strained groin, but I know people who have. And if you strain it, if you just even irritate it, you cannot move. You can't move. I don't know if people saw him walking to the locker room after the tunnel. He, the reason why he was able to jog around, you know, and finish out that second quarter in that game after he got hurt after that block on Devin Booker is because your body's still warm. You have adrenaline running through you. After you cool down, oh, you're done. That groin is done. I'm sorry to tell you, but if we, the, in my opinion, to see him again, we not only have to miraculously, and yes, I said miraculously, beat the Suns, and then perhaps even beat, uh, uh, I think it would be Jokic or uh, Portland in the next series, to see AD again. So... I've, I've already accepted that we're going to lose. We're not going to win the championships this year and, and we're not going to win this series. Um, a lot of people were expecting LeBron to come out this game and just completely go bonkers. The only reason I didn't expect that is because I've seen LeBron in kind of uh, uh, like autopilot mode, I've, I, I guess. He hasn't really been doing that this whole series. And I I think it's because of his ankle. Uh, obviously, age has a little bit to do with it. He can't do that every night um, at, at now at this point of his career. But I, I just think I'm of, the, I'm of the mindset that you have to completely retool and evaluate and go forward next season. You have to reconstruct the roster. Um, and the biggest, glare, the biggest glare, in my opinion, is what I said last year, even though we still won the championship, and what I said this year going into this year. You have to get a player who can playmake for himself. LeBron is getting up there in age, even though he, he doesn't playmake and you know assert himself on the offensive end how I would like to. He still he still he can get you know his own buckets, his own points by you know hitting the three when he gets hot or driving to the lane and hitting his free throws. You have to get a and I know his game isn't tailored to to you know today's game. But you have to get a DeMar DeRozan type. Fiend, you know when a team is completely dominating you, you have to be able to go to somebody, and they have to be able to get some some difficult shots and get some points for you on the board. When it's even when AD was in there, the Suns were completely dominating us in game one. LeBron's not that type of player. AD isn't that type of player from the perimeter. Let alone Alex Caruso. Tht. A Kuzma who's been horrible, um, and, and you know all these other dudes. You have to get a player who's able to do that. And, and Dennis Schroeder, he just absolutely disappeared. He he played, he played well in that game too. But I don't know what's happened to him. Manchairs Harold been getting DMPs. I don't know what's going on there. He probably I don't know. I don't want to have uh, say anything that we don't know. But um, it's all about looking forward to next season. LeBron just needs to get out of this season healthy. And not try to do too much. Because even if you got past this series, you're not winning a championship. It's okay. We, we got to look to next season and retool.
2: This is like the acceptance stage of, you know, the, the five stages of grief. I don't know if you guys...
1: He went through that quick as hell, didn't he? <laughs> quick as hell.
2: But, like, went through the first four, like, you know, sped through right, it. Right,
1: he just skipped straight to it.
2: But, see, I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but... Like, I know realistically, the Lakers shouldn't win this series, you know, since Anthony Davis is hurt, but I just refuse to believe that this is the
1: effort that LeBron will put out in he's Game 6. He's still doing it, Julio. In Game 7. Even, even, in, our, I, <laughs> even I, in our most dire straits, he's still doing it. How, how can you I refuse how to can believe that LeBron him?
2: is not going to show us that he is still the best player in the world. Or maybe not the best, maybe like the second or third best, but still, you, like, you got to show us that you're still something. You got to show us that you're still a force, right? And I think it's still there unless that ankle is completely, you know, like completely, you know, th- there's no sort of um, leverage you can gain from, you know, pushing it's off fucked. on that
1: ankle. It's fucked,
2: yeah. yeah. But, like, I I don't know. I feel like if it if it was bad, we would we would have known. You know, he would have shown up to a press conference in a, in a foot cast or something. I mean, I kid. <laughs> but, like, I don't know. I just... They can't be putting up this week of an effort, and I know AD is like huge for them, right? AD is a great player, but I don't know.
0: It's just it's just kind of pitiful. A lot, a, a lot of what the playoffs are about is about momentum, and the I really think that if AD didn't get hurt, we could have beat him in five to six games. Th- that that was our momentum. After that happened, and they beat us, th- this is why I needed I needed that. Not this. Game from today, but the last game I needed it so so bad. Game four, I needed it so so bad because then that gives you a little bit of of, of a cushion for the Lakers to work with. After we didn't get that, I know going back home to these stupid ass fans. And I'm sorry if I'm speaking to any Phoenix fan, but your guys, you know, Kobe just went off on you guys for so many years, and you guys are annoying. But, hey, all power to you because I knew once going home, these role players were going to have a completely dominant, dominant, uh, uh, you know, performance just like they did today. CP3 got back healthy. He got hurt again. So we'll have to monitor his status going forward. But, um, the uh, again, it's all about momentum. And if AD would have stayed healthy, we would have beat this team in five to six games now that he's not – you know we're we're probably going to be out of the series, and LeBron doesn't need to overexert himself, prove Eddie wrong. Perhaps you know do something to his body and hurt himself. He just needs to look forward to next season, and we need to we need to move on from there.
1: Julio's packing it up, bro. That's crazy. He's packing it up. He means to pack it up. Don't even play for the rest of the series. Start Ben McAdams. Call it, man. I don't know. I don't know if LeBron's cut like that, man. But I will say, on the note of role players. What really just popped out to me? LeBron wasn't like the most dominant LeBron could have been, but man, were the Lakers supporting cast just ugly today? Like Dennis Schroeder, twenty mil. That's what, like I and I don't even like talking about dudes' money like that. Like, go get whatever money you feel like you deserve. But like, I, did you score today? Did he sta- score today? That's
0: from the standpoint if we can't get a third he star. scored
1: today. You you think he, you you, you don't.
0: I th- I'm saying that's from the standpoint if we can't get a third star.
1: I'm saying he wants twenty mil from anybody. For that,
0: you don't think that you don't think he's like a good consolation prize, um, in comparison to if we can't get a third Not star. Not he's putting up zero points in the
1: game. <laughs> I don't feel very consoled. I'm very unconsoled. I don't even know if that's a word, but, golly, that boy was, ooh, I hope that's just, like, I, I, I hope for Lakers' sake, I hope for his personal sake that that was just an anomaly, but, like, that was ugly. It might be a good Andre thing. Drummond. It
0: might be a good thing because then his negotiating leverage is gone. Might be a good thing.
1: That would be tough if, if that happened off one game, but, like, Andre Drummond. Oh, he I might get mad at you because, like, asked. I expected that. But, like, four turnovers? <laughs> How do you have more turnovers than Brian? How'd that even happen? <laughs> ain't, ain't, ain't no way you playing center, setting screens, rolling, got more turnovers than Bron. Bro, it— don't, I don't even like coming for players like that. But, like, I got to right now. Contavious, I, you was injured. You, know you what might he, get a pass. Yeah, he's
0: a, he gets a pass. You know what I expect from him. He's very up and down. He's very up and down. Marcus Morris? No, nah, Mar- he,
1: Mar- he I forget. My fault, my fault, my fault. Keith. I guess you can let it, like, I mean, he only took two shots, hit one three. Kuzma? He got inserted, Kuzma, I mean.
0: Oh, horrible.
1: I mean, he had 15 points on six of 13, He, but one of five from three is not good.
0: Peep, oh, ah, that, that's looking at the stats, bro. Like, all series, True. he's been garbage, and now when there's no pressure, oh, I'm AD's, about today. AD's out, I can, you know, I can be the number two. Shut up. Go sit down.
1: I'm talking about today. Go sit down. But, shoot, Wes Matthews? I would get mad, but we expected. He this. was playing okay
0: down the stretch. He was playing okay
1: down the stretch of what <laughs> the thirty point blowout,
0: <laughs> like the like the last like the la- like the last few games. He was playing okay.
1: Oh, I thought you meant down the stretch of this game. I'm no, I'm no, talking no. to this game in a back oh, okay. because it was ugly. The campaign um, was uh, eating Taylor Marcus horse
2: lunch, is what I heard.
1: I mean shoot campaign, he's been he's been hooping. Yo, Shout out Memphis. They
0: have a group of annoying ass players. I love Chris Paul and I feel bad he doesn't have a championship, but there's so many times where I find him so annoying. Like he he, he'll cry to the refs like a little baby and then go do like the dirtiest play. And, and then D Book, like I love D Book's game, but then, y- you know, you're going to hit Wes Matthews in, in the groin area where no man should be hit. Then campaign, you know, he's always doing the most extra stuff. Jay Crowder is like so annoying. Uh,
1: Cameron Payne don't be doing all that much. Yes, he well, does.
0: Campaign be on. Campaign pa- Camp- be on. He'd be like, like, he'll purposely. Like, if you're walking to your bench, he'll purposely walk in front of you and, and be like, hey, like, what are you doing? Like, he, he's that type of player that tries to get under your skin. Now, he did play well, so he's not like a Patrick Beverly who's just going to do that and not play well. It's just annoying that he only plays like Michael Jordan against the Lakers. Why you got to bring out your best performance against us? Like, what do you have against us, bro? I
1: mean, you, you, you bring out your best against the best. That's what you do. That's what you do. Anyways, yeah, this series is, I mean— I'll just leave it at this and we'll keep it pushing. Game six, is it clipped or do we see a game seven here?
2: I think if Chris Paul is out, the Lakers win. Is he supposed
1: to be out?
0: Well, he got hurt. He got hurt. uh, Wes Matthews went to box him out and Chris Paul thought that he hit him on purpose. And then he fell down on the floor and then he got up like he was going to bull rush and tackle Wes Matthews. Wes Matthews isn't that type of dude. Shut up, CP, and go sit down. You've done way dirtier things in your career. Shut up, bro. Stop. Stop. But yes, he's hurt. Yes, he's My hurt. I
1: Julio says shut up a lot, and folks don't even be talking like that. <laughs> like, He like, didn't even say those things. He like, shut up. He just puts words in his mouth and then tells him to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> moving on.
2: This has been the Hoop and Holler podcast.